the the passage that I was going to speak on is um, from Psalm 23. And so I know Ruth read from John 10. That wasn't a mistake. We are going to reference that. But Psalm 23 um, is a psalm that I've been coming back to repeatedly over the last couple of weeks, just because, you know, when things are hard, it's it's um, I find it's really helpful just to feed your feed your soul with truth um, and to, uh, to meditate on God's word. And one of the things that we're, we're told in the Bible, actually, is to treat the Bible like um something to chew on so psalm 1 talks about how we're to meditate on the word of the lord and the, the word that's used there is actually the word gnaw like a like a dog gnawing on a bone and um i, I i've never gnawed on a bone but it did remind me of when i used to eat hubba bubba when i was a little kid and i would try and make a whole pack of hubba bubba stretch for uh for a week and so i put it in my mouth start of the day i would chew on it um, when I got to school, I would take it out of my mouth, stick it behind my ear because I wanted to make it last as long as possible. Get to break time, I'll pick it out from behind my ear, pluck out a few hairs, and then uh, and then stick it back in and and carry on um, chewing. And then you get all the juice out of it that way. And, and in the same way with scripture, like you don't just have to read it once; you can you can read on it because the purpose again and again, and the purpose of that is to is to feed our souls with it. It's to, um, not just as Mike was saying about memorizing, it's not just about getting it in our heads, it's about getting it in our hearts. And I don't know about you, but um, I've had my moments in the last two weeks of feeling really quite afraid and really quite scared. And it seems to me that Satan often uses those moments to come to us and to whisper lies to us. And uh, one of the things that he, he often says to me is, hey, um, because suffering has walked into your life, it must mean that God has walked out of your life. It must mean that he's left you. And so as part of that, and just thinking, hang on a second, is that true? I've gone back to scripture and I've just seen there's so many people in the Bible who endured just um, not least Jesus, but who endured terrible suffering. And yet they had a, a, a deep confidence and a deep trust in God. And one of those people is David, who wrote Psalm 23. And elsewhere in his Psalms, you see that he prayed his fears and he expressed his anxiety to God. And I love that we're able to do that. Um, but Psalm 23 is a Psalm of confidence in who God is. And I just want to, you can gnaw on this Psalm for the rest of the week, but I just want to just for us together for a few minutes, gnaw on the first five words of the Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And how you feed your soul with that is you just take one word at a time. So the first one, the, he is the Lord. You know, if I was to talk about a queen, you, that could be anyone. But if I said to us, hey, the queen, then we'd probably all know we're talking about, you know, Elizabeth II. You might think of her like her incredible track record, her amazing history. This is the queen we're talking about. I've watched all three seasons of The Crown. I'm not even halfway through her life yet. And so we're not talking about Lord in general, we're talking about the Lord. And in the Bible, we have his, his track record, we have his history, and it's one of just faithfulness to his people over and over and over again. Um, it's his nature, he just can't abandon them. No matter how unfaithful the people of Israel were, no matter how many mistakes they made along the way, how many times they turned away from him, he, he, we've, got, we've got centuries of God's um, nature and his character being to remain faithful. If I went to a restaurant uh, with Mike after all this uh, stops and we're allowed out again and you happened to come into the restaurant and you saw that we'd had we had this table just absolutely loaded with just like a massive amount of food and uh, you might come up to me and take me to one side and say hey Andy you know what are you doing like 
are you guys going to be able to manage that? You're going to be able to eat all of that food. How would I respond to you in that moment? I would say, hey, I'm here with Mike. It's the Mike Pelavachi we're talking about. And you'd, you'd say, of course, silly me. What was I thinking? It's the Mike Pelavachi. That's just what Mike does. That's just Mike's nature. And so when Satan comes to us, often in, in the quiet hours of, of the night where we're scared or, or sometimes just when we have those moments at the end of which you're just emotionally so dead at the end of a day. I don't know if you had a few days like that recently. And he whispers something. He was like, hey, God's going to abandon you. Our response to that can be, no, this is the Lord that I'm talking about. His track record is faithfulness. So it's the. And then the second word, Lord, the Lord. The first thing that came to my head when I thought about that is, is his power. I thought, um, you know what? Wow, he's supreme in his sovereignty. Like uh, Isaiah talks about how all the nations of the earth, like and throughout history as well, so all the great empires that have risen and fallen throughout the years are just like a, a drop in a bucket in comparison to God. He says they're like a speck of dust on a kitchen scales in comparison to him. So when I was thinking he's the Lord, that was the first thing. He rules and he reigns and he reigns over coronavirus. Like that came into my head, but then my my I went a bit further on it and just thought, do you know what though? If there's something that describes the supremacy of God, yes, absolutely, it's his greatness and his majesty and his might and his power but also surely is it not his kindness um you know isn't he just unsurpassed in his mercy matchless in his in his compassion and his grace and and what comes to me when i think about that is the picture of jesus who is god made flesh it's like you want to see the face of the lord look at the face of jesus christ and and, and one of the things that I love about Jesus is throughout his life, he wanders through the kind of the lanes of Galilee and the pages of the Gospels. And you see these people run to him and they're, they're the people that no one else wanted to touch. You know, it's like in that society, children were not considered, you know, to be particularly important. And, and, and they flock to him and he welcomes them. The lepers, the people that literally no one went near, they had to stay socially distanced for the whole of their lives. He comes up to them and he touches them. He takes them by the hand. The prostitutes that people despise, the ones who, the tax collectors who'd sided with the Romans, basically anybody who, who that culture had shunted, they were drawn to Jesus Christ like moths to a flame. And surely it has to have been his kindness that drew them. So when we talk about the Lord is my shepherd, I think he's the Lord. He's supreme in his, in his love. The Lord is my shepherd. That word is, at the moment, for me personally, is my favourite word uh, of all five. Um, because it's not that he was my shepherd and then he changed his mind when coronavirus became a thing. It's not that he's going to be my shepherd when this is all over. It's that he is, present tense, right now, my shepherd. And uh, I wasn't at church the final time that we gathered together in person. Uh, I was watching it like a lot of other people were on live stream. And that was because my little boy, Caleb, had had some problems with his breathing and so we'd had to take him in on Friday morning early hours to, to hospital um, he'd improved a bit by Sunday a lot by Sunday actually but but uh, Friday night <clears throat> I'd been in hospital with him from 4am and I was uh, as low as I've been for a long time just seeing your kids suffering is, is horrific and, and we were in this isolation unit because because obviously everybody is at the moment who's got a respiratory problem and it wasn't the virus coronavirus but he just had a nasty infection and 
And uh, I remember one of the members of our church, uh, one of our family, uh, is a pediatrician at uh, the hospital, and he came, he came in to to just check on how we're doing, and uh, and I said I'm I'm not doing great to be honest, um, and, uh, and and I said would you mind praying for us? And so right there in this little isolation unit, him with all his mask and his goggles on and his everything else, he just prayed for us, and and I remember. Obviously, the situation was still tough, but just something of the heavy despair that had settled over my heart throughout the day lifted. And I don't know why it struck me, but there was just this one line in his prayer. He just said, uh, Jesus, we thank you that you are our leader. You are our leader. And I don't know why that got me, but it got me. I think probably because I was just feeling just this burden of responsibility. I've got to have it together, you know, for Caleb. I've got to be strong. I've got to have it together for the church. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, but maybe I should pretend like I know what I'm doing. And and just suddenly, just as he said, you are the leader. It was like, yes, thank. that's true. He's the leader. You know, he is the leader. He's we, we pray for our government. We do what we're told by the officials and all that stuff. But let's never forget as Jesus's people that we follow Jesus Christ uh, and he is our leader. And one of the things that I love about him as a leader is the fact that he is faithful. Um, and uh, this image of a shepherd, Jesus actually picks up on it in John chapter 10 that Ruth read twice to us, uh, both ways up. And in, in John 10, um, Jesus kind of gives him this image and he says, look, you've got hired hands who look after shepherds. And then you've got um, you've got the shepherds who, who have reared the sheep from a, being a little lamb. And he said, when it's a hired hand and the wolves come, that they just leg it because they're like, oh, this isn't worth 20 quid, like putting my life on the line. But when you're the shepherd who has brought that, that lamb into the world, as it were, and you, you've nurtured it day and night, day after day, week after week, and a wolf, a wolf comes to get it, you stand in between the wolf and the sheep and you say, you get into that sheep over my dead body. And Jesus says, look at these two images. And then he says, the second one is me. I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. And that for our Jesus is not just a, a, a nice picture. That's what he went on to do. And so my shepherd, the one who is my leader, I know he's never going to abandon me because he'll go to the point of death for me. And the reason I know that is not just because he said it, it's because he did it. 2000 years ago, my shepherd died on a hill outside of Jerusalem for my sake so don't you know satan come tell me now that he's abandoned me that's that's not my jesus that's not my god so the lord is my shepherd the lord is my shepherd the word my you can just gnaw on that one for a little bit there's so much juice in it um you know i, I read this c.s lewis book the narnia books it's got this picture of um the silver chair which is this story about a prince who's been captured by a witch and she put him under a spell so that he forgets who he is. But for one hour, every night, the spell fails. And so um, he realizes who he is and he tries to escape. And to stop him, they tie him to this silver chair. And then one day, the prince manages to get hold of a sword and he just smashes the chair to bits. And I think Satan, what he loves to do is, help, is to kind of whisper these lies to us that settle into our spirits, that make us forget who we are. And the way that he tries to do that is he tries to help us forget who we belong to, because we discover who we are when we find out whose we are, we're his. And what we can do is we can take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we can smash those lies to bits. And this is one way to do it. He's my shepherd. He chose me. 
before, before the world was made, before I could do anything to earn it, he chose me. Jesus tells a story of a shepherd who goes looking for a lost sheep. You know what, that applies to a lot of people, but one of the people that applies to is me, and it applies to you. He came and found me. He's my shepherd. Not just all the other people's shepherds that have got it together, my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, that makes us sheep, right? And that's a bit of a divine insult because sheep are not particularly independent animals. Uh, you know, if you set a, a sheep free in Watford to go off and be a wild sheep, I don't think it would last a day. It would, it would get hit by a car, it would fall down a drain, it would get stuck in a fence, it would get fined for not appropriately socially distancing itself in a supermarket, like it would be in trouble. A wild hamster would have more chance of surviving in Watford than a wild sheep. And, uh, and so here's the point, a sheep's hope is not in it being a good sheep. A sheep's hope, hope is in it having a good shepherd. And that's, that's true for us as well. And so when we look at how can we have confidence in these days, uh, we don't need to look within. What we wanna do is we wanna look up and we wanna look at him. And our hope rests on the fact that the Lord is my shepherd. That's the first five words. I want to take the psalm for the rest of this week and nor on the rest of it.